This is a tripod broadcast. Hey now. Well, let's start recording, so. We just did. Okay, cool. I think this is a key show to listen to because it's, 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 uh. It's all about emotional masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> Journalistic integrity. It encapsulates everything that we're about. And I'm sorry. Now, <laughs> give that some thought. Yeah. With Addison. I can't be mad at you. You got a haircut. And Matt. I would recommend that you stop listening right now. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. Broadcasting live to the four corners of Flat Earth. And consuming more based 4chan threads than a human being should be allowed to. It's Give That Some Thought, episode 314. The candles have been lit. The joints have been smoked. (laughs) Anyways. Well, hello, 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 everyone. So I was listening to the Higher Side Chats the other day, and he had Gordon White on. And he said something interesting that I found interesting about how ubiquitous the idea of shower thoughts is. Uh, You know, you ask almost anybody, and they can give you a summation or some idea of what a shower thought is. And his whole point, sorry, I'm finishing my nightly ritual. Um, He mentioned that he thought it was interesting that there's this idea of shower thoughts. And how so many people can say, yeah, I was in the shower and I, I, you know, I had this idea. I had this thought, had this unique, original, you know, thought. And then he said, but if you think about it, the shower is one of the few places that we don't have constant electronic stimulation. We're not staring at a screen in the shower. And so his whole point was, people talk about having shower thoughts. Maybe that's one of the few places that original thought does happen because we've finally shut out the electronics enough to have an original thought. And of course, I like that and it resonated with me. I have a lot of shower thoughts. Some of them I share, some of them I don't. Uh, Actually, I see Chris in here. That was kind of one of the reasons I got that uh, journal that I showed you the other day, Chris, a leather-bound journal was hopefully to put down or put, um, you know, some of my madness to paper. Not that it matters, but, you know, my kids might like to read it when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody, who knows? Put it on eBay. Ah, Chris has got his hand raised. Hold on here. 
get you in, brother. Chris, you should be good to speak. What's up, man? No? No? Don't have anything from you. Hello? There he is. What's up, brother? What's going on? How are you? That that was kind of my my thoughts on uh, writing down some of my madness and putting it to paper is maybe one day my kid will like to read it (laughs) when I'm gone. And he'll look at it and he'll go, holy shit. Dad was way crazier than I ever thought. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good thing he kept this to himself in a notebook. Yeah, exactly. He would have been institutionalized. Well, and I was thinking the other day, you know, because you're about my age, Chris. I think you might be you know, a hair younger. Yeah, just a little younger. Yeah. But it's like, you know, the whole idea of memories. You know, I remember going over to, like, my mom's house. Uh, or growing up in my mom's house or going to my grandma's house and things like that. You know, and people would have family photo books that they would just pull out and take a look at. And it's like, now I can't think of a time when someone shared a memory with me, even if it was just, you know, a short term, Hey, this happened the other day or whatever it is without pulling out, instantly pulling out their phone and, and showing a picture or a video of it. And it's like, geez, is that even real life? Yeah, I get that. That's why I purposely do not take a lot of pictures on my phone. If I'm if I if I have something happen that is notable enough that I'm going to relay it to somebody else, I don't need to pull up my phone and say, "Hey, look at the screen." I want to tell them what I experienced in that moment. Type yeah. Of thing. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Well, how uh, how are things on the farmstead, Chris? Everything coming together? We're getting there. Yeah. I, I came up with plans for uh, expanding the chicken flock, and Sarah has been working on the garden plan for the the upcoming season, so it's getting there. Nice. Yeah, we've got seed starts going. We've got two new hens that we've got uh, as of yesterday, two days ago, yesterday, and a rooster who came with them but was... Obviously, <laughs> get that out of here. <laughs> uh, my wife just dropped off a stack of pictures on my desk. <laughs> um, yeah, man, but it's looking good. We're doing, we're doing between everything we that we've got going with planting, we've got almost 500 square feet of garden going in, stuff to eat. And hopefully, when the five chicks are done brooding, well, fingers crossed, hopefully they're all hens. We'll have to see. Uh, but then after those and the two we got yesterday and the two we already had, we will not be buying eggs uh, at all, I don't think. That's the point I want to get to. And when are we going to, when do we start growing these uh, meat birds I keep hearing talked about? Uh, actually, well, my wife jumped out of here, but um, I'm not sure, but I, I, I think it's coming up. I think it's coming up. and. I, like, I think we're going to pretty much do them back to back because we only have the one brooder that the chicks are in right now. And then <clears throat> the plan is to start incubating those meat birds that we're splitting with you guys, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right after that. Oh, there she is. I, I don't think she wants to say anything, though. But, but yeah, I think it's going to be pretty soon. Um, that's going to be so cool, man, because I don't know about you, but I've, I've never butchered an animal, like, at, at all. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, holding your hand and figuring it all out together. No homo. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I have not butchered an animal aside, I guess, from cleaning a fish. I mean, if you can fish are animals, but barely. <laughs> animals, but barely. There you go. Poor fish. They, they have they have the brain capacity that makes them just passable for animals. They're Is basically that salad that lives in the water. <laughs> salad that lives in the water. <laughs> but I've cleaned I've cleaned my fair share of fish in the past. So Yeah, see I've never cleaned a fish, man. Couldn't be uh couldn't be that much worse. Well, like I said, I've I've never cleaned anything. I've never even killed anything. I've never even killed a chicken. I've never killed. I've never killed anything. My hands are clean before God the Father. Oh, my mom wants to talk here. You should be good, mom, if you got something to say. Hello, hello. No. Maybe she doesn't have anything to say. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, but I am gonna. Ha- yeah, you're there. Go ahead. I said I can help you out some. I've cleaned quite a few things. I've cleaned fish and quail and squirrels, and I think I've even done a snake or two. Some rabbits, frogs. Wait, what? What would the the snake? The snake wasn't to eat, though, right? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you just filleted it for shits and giggles. <laughs> uh, you know, we were in the country. But no, I've I've killed quite a bit of small game and cleaned quite a bit of small game. Nice. Well, it's going to be a ride. It's going to be interesting, and um, you know, I need to learn how to do it. That's for sure. I need to. Learn. I've watched enough videos. You know, I've read a bunch of stuff, especially about chickens. Um. Yeah, so I'm not scared of it. I just, yeah, it's just it's a first timer thing. I've I've never done it before. I gotta learn to get comfortable with it. I told uh, I told Sarah, come fall, I'm gonna shoot us a deer. Really nice. Never done that before either. My man, I haven't either. Yeah, but that's awesome. And but may I wish you I good spent luck. The last year watching them all run around out here and figured out kind of where they're at. I said, well, you know, maybe it'd be a good idea to shoot one of those and put it in the freezer with the you know collapse of the west coming and all that stuff might be good to stock up oh yeah for sure 100 <laughs> percent. you know i was talking to a guy today because you said they're you know the collapse of the west incoming i was talking to a guy today friend of mine and he's like what if it's not as you say what if you know we're in our 50s and the world is is as sane as it can be is how he put it and uh then will we be able to make fun of you for all the things you said? And I was like, I, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I, I really, I got to be honest. I don't see how we get there because, and this is what I told him. The problem is no longer, um, when it comes to the financial stuff, it's, it's, it's a sustainability issue because in the past, in order to cover for all sorts of crimes and that sort of thing, they could just easily say, oh, well, we're going to print more, right? We're going to bail out more. We're going to hand more out here. We're going we're gonna to fudge the numbers a little bit here, a little quantitative easing here and a little fractional reserve lending there, right? And, but it's, 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 it's like truly run out. Like they, they, can't, they can't 
possibly steal much more <laughs> out of the current system, which is why it needs to be reset and why they're pushing well, for it. The problem with that is that it, it all compounds. Exactly. So you fudge the numbers or you, you know, cook the books a little here. And then you build on top of that and you cook the books or fudge numbers a little more right. on top of that. And then, then it just cook those to fix those. Spiraling worse and worse. Right. Yeah. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul, literally. And it's, yeah, it's just to the point where I don't see how we get out of this situation. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Um, I was actually listening to a, a farmer uh, talk the other day. Uh, just one of these, one of these YouTube guys. Uh, homesteading and all, all off grid and all that. And he, he did a really short video and he was talking about getting back to normal or something like that was the title. And I was like, Ooh, I really want to see, you know, what he says in this. Cause it was a shorter video and, you know, and so I knew it wasn't cause usually he doesn't want about a topic. He's like, you know, well, here's how we built this chicken tractor or here's my thoughts on how to plant an orchard or whatever. And it was a really short video and he was like, you know, how we can get back to normal or something like that. And I was like, what's this guy on? And so I pulled it up and he, he basically, the way he put it is, he's like, can you name for me a time, a single time that comes to mind that you can think of or look up in human history where a period of unbridled decadence was not followed by a period of mass starvation. And if you think about it, you can't <laughs> going back to even Rome or yeah, that's what I tell people. I'm like, well, look at what the great depression was. You know, you can forget about virus and blue beam and you know, all that crazy stuff I like to talk about, but it's like, look at what happened after the roaring twenties. Right. And there was a, a period of mass starvation that only those who knew how to cultivate it and find it and do it themselves uh, were the only ones that could eat. Um, and I, and I liken that to our, you know, the current situation that we're in, you know, we've had, we've had absolute unbridled decadence and, uh, done nothing but bow down to, to the almighty God of the West, which is consumerism. <laughs> and yeah, we're not going to get out without a period of, of, of mass starvation. I really don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I really don't think so either. Yeah. It's the, what what was it that was going around a while, you know, a couple months ago? Was it hard men or hard times create strong men? Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Yeah. Actually, I, I saved one of those memes today. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. And, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I really think that's true. And I think we're at the point where the hard times created by weak men is rolling around. Yes. Yeah. The, the piper needs to be paid, so to speak. That's the, that's the point in the cycle that we are at. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, which is why I'm trying to learn to, Grow it and raise it if I want to eat it. <laughs> and, and just think, if these are the hard times created by uh, weak men, 
with the way things are projected to go, wait until we get to the hard times created by weak women. Oh, oh man, God, we're going to be fucked. Oh my God. It's a, <laughs> times a thousand. <laughs> uh, have you seen, what is it? It's that meme going around with the, I don't know, the swimmer who's a dude, but swims as a chick. yeah (laughs) what peak clown world exactly exactly no yeah (laughs) that's what i mean clown world to the point where caitlin jenner is like they called her out because she stood up against that being bullcrap or whatever yeah yeah she's 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 been open about about her statement her was well i just have the balls to say that That men shouldn't be competing in women's sports or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, okay, here's here's the quote unquote right leaning uh tranny who's here to tell you <laughs> that that men shouldn't compete in women's sports just because they say they're a woman. Well, I mean, especially if you look back on their history of Bruce, you know, Bruce and him being such a famous athlete yeah yeah no it's it's, it's it's like that is that is just peak clown world right there yeah yeah it, it, it can't get much uh much more than that i don't think and that's you know that's what i keep telling people who ask me questions and stuff i'm like well where like where do you think this ends you you, you think this is sustainable like you you, you think this this you know uh uh paper money has no value and uh you know follow the, the latest and greatest psyop brought to you by trannies like you, you think that's sustainable you th- like how long do you think that we can really keep up the wall of lies because eventually it always it always comes crashing down that's the whole problem with what lies that's why i try and avoid doing them because as soon as you lie all you have to do is lie more to cover up the lies the very nature of lying and lies are uh it's open season on lies since, exactly you know, yeah 2012 with the obama and that smith month act yeah thanks obama yeah exactly thanks obama and and in, in a broader sense i was actually it's funny you should bring that up i mentioned that to a friend the other day and i'm like dude i really honestly truly believe that there is more significance to that than we even have any idea of because it's obvious. It's so obvious. If you look at that time period, it's like, okay, well they, they essentially decriminalized lying directly to the American public and look at how it's been since then. (laughs) Not great. (laughs) No, it, it really has. And you don't even really have to dig that far to see how obvious the lies are. Like if you look back at, oh, I saw some compilation of headlines floating around earlier today of how the media reported on Ukraine, yeah, and the Azov Battalion and all this stuff before a month ago, yeah, and it's a night and day difference. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. They were talking about Ukraine the way they're talking about Putin now. <laughs> well, and the thing is now it's like, <laughs> this is laughable because all they've done is beat the fear porn of, you know, Nazis here, Nazi there. 
hey, you know, Chris, you might know a Nazi, you know, and, 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 and now if you scratch a little bit below the surface, all mainstream media and all corporations are like the biggest fans of Nazis now, <laughs> literal, actual Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, don't it's... worry. The, the return of Donald Trump will solve all this. I, I'm sure of it. <laughs> oh yeah that that'll be no man i'll th- be something i i think he's coming back i really do man there's there's a lot of weird stuff about i mean you you've seen it yeah there's it's just it it doesn't look weird like any of it is good aside. news <laughs> weird stuff aside i mean i see him running in 2024 just because his ego is bruised. Regardless of if he thinks he can w- actually win or not, if he can run against Joe Biden, his ego, he's the type of person, in my opinion, that his ego is damaged enough, he's got to take a second chance at beating him Yeah, just to see if he can do it. But then you add in all the weird stuff, and it's so obvious that that's what's going to be be the case the, and well and the weird stuff is very weird i mean it's just it you know i look at some of that stuff and i'm like geez because <laughs> it you know as you know and I, as i've been quite vocal about on this program i i don't i don't believe in a in a literal um you know man figurehead human figurehead uh for the position of antichrist even from scripture i just don't see it um and i mean one of my primary reasons for any, for anybody listening. <laughs> Is, you know, because in, <clears throat> I think it's in Thessalonians, it says the spirit of the Antichrist is here already. Right. So to me, it's, it's it, even on that basis alone, it's got to be something or it would seem like it is something um, bigger than just the idea of, oh, well, that's the guy. And, and I think that's where evangelicalism has gotten way off track when it comes to eschatology over, over the last hundred years, because that's what they've done. You know, they just sit back and it's like, okay, well, let me, you know, six, six, six. Oh, oh, that must be the guy. That must be the guy, you know, or that must be the date. That must be the date. Um, but yeah, anyways, all that to say, I don't, I don't think the antichrist is a literal, a literal person, but, uh, man, is there some weird stuff about that dude? I mean, it's just, it's like, yikes. I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to get your head around. Yeah, it is. My thought on the whole antichrist is kind of, kind of in line with what you were saying. I don't think it's any necessarily one person. I mean, you have other biblical contexts of demonic entities and whatnot. You know, we are legion, we are many. Right. Who's to say that the antichrist isn't just a demon that presents himself or his spirit or what have you that presents itself in through various people Mm. throughout any given point in time because there's arguably you know with all these world leaders several people where you could point at and say oh there's similarities oh there's they're the antichrist right i mean what obama's been the antichrist uh trump's been the antichrist alistair crowley Alistair Crowley has been the Antichrist. Well, <laughs> well why not all of them? Right. <laughs> well, and that's that's Who's to say it's any one person. 
Yeah, and like I said, that to me <clears throat> coincides with that idea of the spirit of the Antichrist. You know that it talks about because it, you know, what is Antichrist? Well, we know what if we know Christ, then we then we know what Antichrist is. We might not want to listen to it all the time. We might ignore it. Might rationalize it away. Whatever. But if if it, you know, as Christians, we we know pretty much out of the gate what is Antichrist, or we should we should. Uh, that certainly doesn't that certainly doesn't apply to everybody who uh, calls himself a Christian, <laughs> by no means. <laughs> uh, like the female pastor, the whole female pastor thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe the Antichrist, <clears throat> maybe Antichrist is just the people who are Antichrist, just exactly what it means, literally. Right, yeah. Why does it have why does it have to be a person or a figurehead? Yeah. Yeah, and I think um I don't know. I I don't think mainstream evangelicalism like entertains that possibility though. I th- I think most people of a certain, you know, Christian persuasion wouldn't even entertain that idea if they believe in an antichrist. I mean, now you got post mills and all this who don't have that in their bible either i guess but but uh you know i i think they would pretty much reject the idea that there is that it would you know that it's not a singular person and maybe that's just faulty preaching over the years that you know that it's always been preached that way that oh we're well we're looking for a specific person right here that you know as if as if one day somebody who is named you know i don't know joe blow is what gonna stand up in front of the world and change his name. Oh, I am now antichrist. Like, you know, and, and if that, if that's the criteria, then plenty of people have done that too. So, um, well, I think going back to the, you know, the spirit of the antichrist, I think a lot of people, a mistake a lot of people make when looking into a biblical context is the concept of time. Mm, Yeah. There's no, Our comparison of time and how we interpret time is different than how the divine experiences time. Yeah. What what could be a day to the divine could be a millennium for humanity. So if you look at it in the context of the spirit of the Antichrist, it's not necessarily that, you know, on Monday the beast is going to show up, on Tuesday this is going to happen. On Wednesday, this is going to happen. Right. It could happen over many decades or centuries. And just because of the difference in the interpretation of the scale of time. Well, and, and, uh, which, I mean, we have all these people throughout history who people have been like, oh, well, they're, they're clearly the Antichrist. Well, they could all be in just the way we interpret time is off. And they're all our embodiments of the Antichrist throughout the course of human existence. Right. Yeah. Um, well, my thing too is, is, you know, and this, this is what <laughs> sort of throws a wrench in the whole thing of the, the sect of Christians who like to, Oh, well, let me you know, pick this out and crunch this number and, you know, figure that out and figure this out. And it's all well and good, but 
you know, the scripture does say a thousand years to, to, to God the Father, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. And so when I take when I take that passage and that knowledge that comes directly from scripture, and what Jesus said when he said, No man knows the day or the hour, not even the Son, only the Father knows. Um yeah, then that that, that kind of ties in with what you were saying, Chris. It's like, well, you know, obviously whatever the timetable is, is, is not, it's, it's not for humans to sort of decipher out with some kind of gematria or whatever. Interesting as those things might be. Yeah. Yeah. But no, Donald Trump totally could be an embodiment antichrist. I've seen all this stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's awfully interesting it, it is awfully interesting and it's one of those things where it's like okay well y- you can't because as, as i look at things like that because there are these people that put, put together these big things about you know i mean going back to like the dates of his birthday and the dates of his different things and the floors on his towers and just all kinds of stuff and like his his grandparents name or something uh-huh or was it his grandparents or his parents one was mary trump and one was something Christ Trump. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, well, the weirdest one for me, and th- this is one that I think Matt pointed out on the show a long time ago, um, but that whole eclipse nonsense, that that weirds me out, man. Like, it's that really, you know, because he, he, what was it? I guess he was born on one kind of eclipse, and it didn't come again until in his presidency. And, and between those two time periods, it draws an X. I need Matt here for this stuff. It, you know, it draws an X through the United States of America, the eclipse, the way that it passes and its visibility. And then there was that bizarre story that, you know, we made sure got all over the world, um, where he looks up at the eclipse, you know, what a dumbass without his glasses. And it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's, you know, because, because here's the thing with the, at the astrological stuff for me. Um, I look at it as, okay, if, if it's not coming together in the sense of a sign and a symbol, meaning that I should like take particular, particular note of it, which I don't think most things are, I don't think that's how they were in the Bible. I don't think that's how they looked at the heavens in the Bible, but if it's not that, then it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, well then the person on the other side. Trump, Satan, the Jews, whatever you want to call it, you know, Mr. Global, they're obviously doing things tied with astrological events and signs, so to speak. And I I don't think that it's by accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I, th- I think well, they do it specifically. That there's that quote that it's attributed to, I think, Rockefeller. Mm, J.P. Morgan Chase. J.P. Morgan Chase. J.P. Morgan Chase, yeah. Mi- so mil- whether or not he actually said it. The What is it? Millionaires? Millionaires don't use astrology. Billionaires use astrology. Yeah. Yeah. It's It, it kind of ties into, you brought up Gordon White at the beginning of the episode. Uh, on that same episode of THT, he kind of brings up the idea that maybe these you know, when it comes to astrology and stuff, maybe the elites don't really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. 
but they've observed that if you do things at a certain date at a certain time in conjunction with you know astrological events a certain position certain astrological signs it acts as a as a force multiplier yeah to your to your desired the intention you put in and why it acts that way but they can acknowledge well if we just do this this way we're going to get better results let's just do it that way yeah no that really resonated with me um when he said that because i was like yeah see that's that's the thing because and, and you know i listen to a lot of dr farrell i've read a bunch of his books and one thing that kind of always bugs me and not really bugs me because i love dr farrell but kind of always gets on my nerves is you know he he will say um you know such and such is going to fail or or what have you because the people trying to pull it off are stupid and and it it used to bug me when he said that because I'm like, oh, look at what they're doing. But on the flip side, like, no, they they really are stupid. And and when Gordon White said that, that's what I thought. I was like, well, maybe maybe it's not as if, you know, they have all the, you know, what whatever's in the mystery schools and all the ancient, you know, Library of Alexandria, you know, that kind of shit. You know, because I think I think when you when you consume so much of that kind of stuff online, you know, you get the sense that I don't know. There's a couple of Jews in a room somewhere, and they have a magic book and a magic spell and that pretty much causes everything. Maybe that's the case. Um, but like you said, and, and like Gordon White was saying, maybe, maybe it's a lot more haphazard than that. <laughs> maybe it's a lot more, you know, let's just throw shit against the wall because we don't really, you know, all we can do is, is sort of do the math on cause and effect. Yeah. I mean, it. I just have a, a hard time picturing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg and Klaus Schwab all off in some, you know, back room somewhere doing a sacrifice to Moloch. Right. Figuring it all out. I don't see that realistically being the case. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, like I said, the number of things that line up, it's one of those things where it's like, well, something is up. I can tell you that much right now just by looking. Yeah, I I think it's like we were saying they they just know if they do things on certain dates and times they get better results. They don't know why. Like as much as I don't like the government, <laughs> I would like to think they at least have enough intelligence among all those intelligence agencies to be able to look at historical context and say, "Hey, it looks like certain things happen really well on these dates. Maybe we should try to follow them. Right. These moons and these these patterns. Well, I'll tell you this, man. Uh, and actually, if you're interested, I read it. Um, I do not know where it is, so maybe I'm writing a check that I can't cash. But uh, if you are interested, I will loan you Babylon's Banksters. Um, and that is, that is a wild ride. That is some wild shit because that sort of astrological component to financial systems goes back to the beginning of human history. It's, it has always, 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 uh, been tied to astrology, basically finance and astrology, surprisingly enough. So. That doesn't surprise me at all. I'd definitely be interested in uh, giving that a read. 
you can find it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it might, I think it's buried on my desk here. Uh, but maybe I'll I'll see if I can find it before tomorrow night. But yeah, if you can find it, bring it along. I'd be uh, interested in reading through that. No, the latest book that of his that I added to my collection of books that I will slowly get through, as I have promised myself, is uh, actually, babe, will you hand me that book on the shelf over there? I want to get the whole title right. <laughs> I want. I just. I want. I just want to read the title because it's such a good title. It's a great title, Hess and the Penguins, The Holocaust, Antarctica, and the Strange Case of Rudolf Hess. <laughs> uh, now, that's that's good reading right there. What? I know you just read me the title. What is that even about? <laughs> exactly. Um, here, let me let's look at the back here. Pursuing his investigations of World War II machinations, secret international agreements, Breakaway Civilizations, and Hidden Wars in Antarctica, author and researcher Dr. Joseph P. Farrell examines the continuing mystery of Rudolf Hess, his sudden flight to Scotland, his supposed imprisonment at Spandau Prison in Berlin, and how his flight affected affairs in Europe, Israel, Antarctica, and elsewhere. Farrell looks at Hess' mission to make peace with Britain and get rid of Hitler, even a plot to fly Hitler to Britain for capture. Jeez. Uh, how much did Goring and Hitler know of Rudolf Hess' subversive plot and what happened to Hess? Why was a doppelganger put in Spandau prison and then suicided? Did the British use an early form of mind control on Hess double? John Foster Dulles of the OSS and CIA suspected as much. Farrell also in- uncovers the death, the strange death of Admiral Richard Byrd's son in 1988, about the same time of the death of Hess. What was Hess's connection to Antarctica? It is Farrell at his best uncovering the special operations and still secret activities of World War II and the breakaway civilization. So it promises to be a great read. <laughs> that sounds absolutely fascinating. Oh, my God, dude. He, he, I'm telling you, man, he's the best author. He really is. Antarctica, I mean, man, Antarctica is just so... I know, right? So weird. Well, and that's, that's the thing, because... When I argue flat earth, <laughs> as I do from time to time, and, and I don't, I don't believe it. I don't hold it as a, as a dogma for me. It's not. Um, but when I argue flat earth with heliocentrists, uh, in order to trigger them, it's pretty easy to do when you start looking at Antarctica because nothing makes sense about what they say. Like, it's just like, here's this landmass. But it's not really a landmass. But you're not you're not allowed to go there because 57 countries have agreed. But also over the years we have a list of the most insane people that you wouldn't even imagine having gone there. Uh, you know, popes, heads of state, uh, all kinds of people within the intelligence um, apparatus. Was obviously, it, was it, what was it? Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin? I believe Buzz, astronaut Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, Buzz Aldrin went. They're just, you know, like the weirdest set of people. And yet, yeah, if you get anywhere near it, you you know, I don't know, blown out of the water or whatever. Um, Allegedly, the Nazis went there. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole bunch of stuff uh, connecting it to World War II. And, of course, going back to Admiral Byrd's diary. Um, uh, For, well, for Admiral Byrd. Yeah, Admiral Byrd. 
for shits and giggles, I went back and listened to an old THC with Joseph Farrell. And what was funny is he was talking about that Admiral Byrd thing. And he's like, he's like, there are a number of supposed Admiral Byrd diaries going around online. And it was funny. And maybe it was just me and the weed reading between the lines. But it really sounded like he was indicating that the whole sort of lore behind Admiral Byrd's diary, uh, and it is a lore, especially in conspiracy circles. And there are, you know, I've seen a bunch of them and, oh, this one claims this and this one claims that. No, a shelf, an ice wall and all just on and on and on. And he he seemed to maybe indicate, and again, maybe it's just me, but it seemed to me that he, he was kind of indicating that those are sort of you know, put out there, um, to kind of gauge like where they go and who, who sort of, you know, does content about them and believes like this version or that version, because apparently there's, there's tons and tons of different versions, but. Well, see, I've heard some stories. I think they went back to Admiral Byrd about how his navigation and all that stuff got real weird when he got close to. Yep. Antarctica. Yep. Yeah, there's 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 some of that. There's uh and go ahead. The claims I've heard that kind of makes sense to me is that with the tools and stuff they had at the time, if the earth were to be hollow <laughs> and the entrances to hollow earth were at the north and south poles, there would be a downward Slope once you get to a certain point, that entrance point. Yeah. And the theory I had heard posed that makes a lot of sense to me is the tools they were using to navigate, they were fabricated for a alleged globe earth or, you know, maybe a flat earth. They weren't cord or they weren't uh, calibrated for a convex earth. Oh, yeah. So all their readings they were getting that they were off, they were like, oh, well, we travel, you know, this much distance in this many days. And everyone's like, well, that, there's no way that should have been possible. Right. Kind of makes sense if they were on like a downhill slope towards the entrance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and th- I think there's a bunch of people that use that to sort of, or kind of fit it into the idea of, um, you know, hidden land masses. Um, because there's there's <laughs> there's a lot of that that's kind of suspect too, uh, even so much as you know, like the NASA images, and you know this, um, the NASA images have changed over the years, like these supposed pictures of the ball of the damn thing, they've changed, they've literally changed in terms of like how big continents are. And it's like, well, how is that happening? <laughs> or well, so. There's that. <laughs> and then if you go back into maps that were drawn by cartographers before, you know, digital mapping and all that stuff, going back into the 1600s, 1500s, these maps that these navigators drew of the world also are nothing like the maps we have today. Right. They show Antarctica as green with like some maps show settlements in Antarctica. Yeah. Same with 
you know, the northern hemisphere, or, you know, I guess Antarctica, what, north? The North, north Pole. Pole. The Arctic Circle. I right. There's not really a name. Just the Arctic Circle. But there's islands that are off the coast of, you know, Britain that are apparently just gone now. Right. There's a lot of inconsistencies with maps around or maps throughout history and what we're told by NASA and what satellites tell us. Yeah. I have, uh, we actually have a map hanging here on the wall in our house that came from like my great grandma's house. And, so, and it's titled A New and Accurate Map of the World. It's dated 1626. I'm sure this is just a recreation of reproduced by Rand McNally from printed maps in the Library of Congress. Oh, so it's verified then. It's, you know, it's been fact checked. Yeah, the world by John Speed, 1627, is the the fine print on this map. And it looks drastically different than what we're told it is today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, how is that possible? Yeah, I'll uh, remind me tomorrow uh, if you make it out here, and I'll, I'll get, let you take a look at it. Like, nice. Uh, South um, or Antarctica is labeled as both the southern unknown land and Magellanica. Huh. Well, a lot of people, I, I've heard that throughout human history, the assumption was just always, oh, you know, there's, there's landmass beyond there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like this map has the southern unknown land much closer up towards Asia, and there's a whole lot more islands in that part of the world. Whole lot more than we're told there is today. Yeah. Well, my theory about islands interesting that that we've documented humans have documented all these things over the years, and none of it really lines up with what we're told. Right. Yeah. And the only, and the only answer we're given for that is just, oh, well, they, you know, they were stupid back then. They didn't have computers. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but maybe the computers are what's messing it all up. <laughs> it, it very well could be. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole nother umbrella, dude. That whole, um, you know, the idea about EMF. I mean, you know, because it makes sense to me. It, it makes sense to me that, electronic devices would give off electromagnetic frequencies. And it also makes sense to me that I bet those aren't healthy for you. Like I just, I bet they're not. Um, and yet now, yeah. I mean, is, is there anything that's not run by some kind of a chip? <laughs> like, I mean, I, you know, I can't think of anything. There's, there's definitely something that goes back to the frequency thing yes yeah um sound and sound frequencies seem to be a pretty fundamental basis of really everything i mean if you go back to even a biblical context in scripture it says in the beginning was the word yeah 
was the word. Well, what is a word? But, you know, a spoken sound that we can hear. If God spoke everything into existence, he said, let there be light. And there was. We're told in the Bible. Yeah, and that it was his voice, yeah. Spoken word was the beginning of everything. Yeah. It would only make sense that these that sound frequencies have an effect on every aspect of everything. Yeah. You know, whether we can hear them as a sound frequency or not, EMF gives off frequencies, 5G gives off frequencies. When Elon Musk achieves his wet dream climax and there's Wi-Fi everywhere. <laughs> right. Starlink will give off frequency. Dude, I really can't believe that. You know, and that and that's the thing, like like yeah, I was mentioning a couple minutes ago with my buddy saying, Oh, well, what if in fifty years you know everything's fine? Can we make fun of you? And I was like, dude, like we're all gonna be cooked by the number of Wi-Fi antennas that are out by then. Like, I don't think you understand. Like <laughs> like he he wants to blanket the world in the internet. Like, don't, don't, no, that's not how this ends. Like, it's not, it's just not, it's not sustainable on a, well, pure, on a purely biological level, I don't think. So, an interesting theory I have about all these frequencies and electronic EMF stuff getting sent around. Please. In biblical times. There was allegedly none of this. There's no biblical context for electricity or anything existing then. There are theories, you know, about ancient technology that they were way more advanced than we ever thought, but we have no accepted evidence that that was true. So if you go back to biblical times, we're also told they had very, very long lives compared to what we live now. If you fast forward several thousand years to the first example I have of context of this, I heard Allison McDowell talk on an episode of THC about the early 1900s when they came out with the telegram or telegraph and all this stuff. And they ran wires everywhere for communication and how everyone's health really started to, to, to decline right around that time. In a, in a huge way. Yeah. In a, yes, in a huge way. You probably heard the same episode I did. But it declined in a huge way. And then Freud, lovely Freud, came along and wrote it off as mental illness. Yeah, creating an entire, an entire sort of classification for disease. Um, yeah, what, what arguably could be classified potentially as EMF sickness. Yeah. Was written off as mental health issues. And then you look at where we're at today, where there's more EMF than ever before. Ever before. And there's also more mental health problems than ever before. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, no, it's it's 100% true, man. And it, it's, it's crazy because it kind of goes back to that original conspiracy theory that even, you know, it seems like most of the... Most of the channels or most of the conspiracy theorists, if you will, have, have even dropped, you know, that 5G causes COVID. And it's like, maybe we're skipping over that too quickly because there's actually evidence for it. Like people, people don't know, but like, there's no, there's, there's like pretty real 
pretty hard evidence that the frequencies that you're exposed to are a huge problem for this quote unquote disease. Like, <laughs> well, and then you have the parallel too with what was it, the Spanish flu in the yes, yes, in the 1920s, and that is freaky, my right friend. Around the time all of this telegraph technology and telegram wires were being ran everywhere in all the major cities. And at the same time, the Spanish flu came around and everyone got so sick. Well, and supposedly there's records from the Spanish flu where they tried to, um, you know, get people to transmit it uh, and weren't able to. Which goes back to the whole, you know, well, is it germ theory? Is it terrain theory? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still. That, that paints that paints an interesting parallel to these stories you hear about COVID, where you know, mom gets COVID, tests positive for it, she comes home, doesn't quarantine, yet no one in the house gets COVID besides her, despite how contagious we're told it is. Right, right. Yeah, it's all an interesting parallel. It is. It really is. And it's one of those things where if this really is a frequency thing, how far are they going to be able to push it before it just flat out kills us? Right. Yeah. Like if, you know, if you want to look at it in the sense of 5G is causing COVID, there are deaths occurring because of COVID or as a result of COVID with comorbidities or whatever. Right. You want to look at it in that light. What point? There's got to be a point where they push the frequency too far where it just outright, we just drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> we just drop dead. On a global scale. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, logically, that's the only way I can see it continuing to progress. Maybe it won't be 6G, but maybe 8G. Right. is the one that yeah that we switch it on and it just <laughs> dead <laughs> microwaved the whole planet <laughs> now what's interesting in, in this vein too is i and i can't i really cannot remember who it was because it was early on in this saga and i was listening you know as i sort of take everything in you know take my analytical kind of view of things and somebody was saying on some podcast or something, you know, and I really don't remember who it was, but they were basically saying, they're like, well, you know, what happens? Because I think it was on THC and Greg was playing devil's advocate as he's very good at actually. And he was like, well, you know, if, if it is 5G, just that it's being turned on in these cities and in these countries, well, then how do we explain, you know, the hospitalizations? and the people dying and the guest who again i don't remember who it was sadly was basically sort of laying out that well think about if if emf is is actually harmful you know which is the idea that we're playing with here that electronic frequencies from electronic devices are bad for the human body which there's tons of evidence they are you know if that's the case well, what happens when you go in a hospital you are surrounded by electronic machines and electronic devices. They're hooked up to your body. They're hooked to, you know, they're, they're everywhere. 
I mean, the walls in hospitals are like filled with cables and pipes to run all this garbage. Right. And so their whole point was like, well, you know, if it is EMF, then yeah, if you go to the hospital with COVID, you're going to die of it. <laughs> I think, you know, it's kind of what they were saying. Or they're like, well, it makes sense that if you're hospitalized, you're going to die of it because of the, what most hospitals would, would read at on an EMF meter because of all the electronics. So it's definitely suspect. It's definitely suspect. And it's, um, but even if it is, I mean, I don't know, then, then, I mean, I guess that leaves us sort of with the, where we're at now is what they've rolled out 5g. The people that have died are going to die. And now, and now we'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. On the next one or as more of it gets rolled out. Yeah. Who knows really? Yeah, what's, exactly. What's going to happen at this point? Who does know? Aaron, I've seen you popping in and out there. You got something to say or you just, Oh yeah, actually he just raised his hand. Look at that. I call her. You're on the air. Open line Friday. What's going on? <laughs> hey now. First time, long time. <laughs> there, there you go. That's right. <laughs> First time, long time. Uh, hey, what's up, Aaron? Hey, Chris. How you doing? Hey, doing all right. Okay. Um, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Someone has to keep you kooks a little sane. Yeah, somebody has to advocate for the devil on my show because obviously it ain't going to be me. <laughs> no, please continue. Okay. What do you got? Let's assume that 5G has something to do with COVID. Um, actually, let's assume that it causes COVID or amplifies it or something. A, a direct correlation. Okay. If that's true, then... How do you explain the peaks and valleys of all the cases that have happened over the past two years? They explain that that the health experts explain it because of the variant. Right. So how if if COVID doesn't exist. (laughs) My man, now we're talking. How do you you explain that? Uh, Well, sadly. Quite easily, because the, the, I mean, I mean, because because we know that the PCR test is bunk. We know that it's bullshit. It's it's not. All it's doing is amplifying a sample of, uh, you know, that they've taken from somebody, and amplifying it to the point where it can find, supposedly, this spike protein that causes COVID. Right. So that's what the medical establishment has said. That's what they've left us with. I mean, well, I mean, to be fair, I've also seen stories going around recently that about the PCR test being so wrong that it may mistakenly picked up the common cold as COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So b- what it's doing is it's amplifying a sample out to the point where they can find it. And the inventor of the PCR test, Carrie Mullis, you can look this up. Um, famously stated that because they did this with AIDS too. And they were like, we'll give you a PCR test, amplify the sample. Boom. HIV AIDS positive case right here. We got another one. And so when, when you look at this testing, if there's peaks and valleys in case numbers, that is entirely manipulatable based on the recommendation that the labs are given in order to process these PCR tests. 
right? So all they need to do, and we saw this all throughout, you know, no agenda. I, I, I believe we mentioned it on here, you know, was reporting on this, that the FDA, I, I believe was who was calling it, maybe the CDC, I'm not sure. A whole bunch of Jews anyways. But, but they would just change the cycle count out of nowhere and the cases would directly respond. Meaning, so it's spin it up to a certain number of revolutions. I, I don't know if it's per minute or, or whatever. Um, but the more that you spin it and the more that you extract out of that sample, broadly speaking, obviously I'm not a scientist or any, anything else, um, you're able to find more and more from that sample because it's essentially magnifying it by that much more. So the more times that it's spun, the, the more you can get out of it, which is why the inventor famously said, at a certain point, you can find HIV, big, bad, scary HIV, in any sample that you take. That's why people were tricking the PCR test by, you know, swabbing their, you know, the household cat and a kumquat. Because, because at a certain point, based on the way that you read these tests, you can find it, whatever it is, again, and the spike protein and whatever, anywhere. You can find it anywhere. So that would be your explanation, right? And so I've even heard it said on, um, I think it was, I think it was a guest on THC. I'm not sure that, uh, all it would take is for you to look at those samples and maybe they really are searching for something unique to, and I've heard this and I don't know, again, the scientific background or what, or what have you. Um, but they, they were basically putting forth the idea that maybe the PCR test, you can actually, by spinning it up that much, you can see something that is unique to EMF sickness or, or radiation sickness, which is we, as we know, is a byproduct of some of these technologies like 5G. So any, anyways, there's my long-winded answer, but TLDR. Yeah. I mean, that's. Well, I was going to say TLDR, the, the PCR test has always been bullshit, <laughs> but go ahead, Chris. I mean, Terry Mullis even said back during the AIDS pandemic that, I mean, this is the guy who won a Nobel Prize for the PCR test because it was so great. He won a Nobel Prize. Yep. yep. And he even said it was never meant to be a diagnostic tool. Yes. It yep. was meant to be more of a confirmation once you have a diagnosis. Basically, you go through your diagnostic process to determine if someone has this, and then you can use PCR to confirm that your diagnosis was correct, not using PCR to diagnose. Because, like you said, however many cycles they spin it on, the more likely you are to find whatever it is, whatever you're looking for. Yeah. HIV. And so here, you know, let's, let's, let's go all the way out to the, the edge of the galaxy and back. What if, <laughs> what if, you know, all these theories about, oh, they're collecting DNA to find superior DNA or, or, um, alien DNA or lost civilization DNA or, or, you know, any of the or, answers or, or, you know, bloodlines of the illuminati yeah exactly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um then yeah it makes sense that you'd want to turn the flu into something that you could run this test and just not tell anybody what you're looking for right 
So if all those tests go back to whoever, CDC, FDA, whatever, well, then can't they just take a look at them, you know, with their with a quantum computer and see, oh, well, he, <laughs> you know. I cannot remember the context I saw it in. Within the last week, two weeks, I saw a uh, an article floating around about what, I think it's MIT, now has a huge database of all of the samples from these PCR COVID tests. Right, to right. To do what they will with. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure they're trustworthy. I'm sure, you know. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But no, that's okay. So good. Who sets the number of cycles that the labs should be running the test at? I'm I'm ninety percent sure. Actually, I'll even I'm ninety five percent sure that it's the FDA. Um, I I could be wrong. It's either it's either the FDA or the CDC that sets that guide. Yes, yeah, it's one of those. But I'm ninety five percent sure it's the FDA. And have they changed it periodically, or did they set it at the at the get go? Though they've changed it multiple times throughout this thing. <laughs> I mean, they've 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 changed it up, they've changed it down, they've changed. I mean, yeah, it, it's been all over the place. As a matter of fact, I mean, if you and if you really want to look into this, your best bet. And I know you know you're not necessarily a fan or whatever, but but if you go to Bingit.io, um, you'll be able to search. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm serious. You'll be able to search. It's a search engine based on on every No Agenda episode, and all of the okay. clips, and all of the documents, and everything. It, I'm I'm telling you, if you're really interested in this, you could go and look at um like cycle count and put in some keywords about cycle count and cycle counts for PCR tests and things like that. And you'll be able to see because they've been reporting on it through this whole thing. And yeah, they've they've changed it multiple times, multiple times. Yeah, I think the the general accepted threshold for reliable results is in the mid to upper 20s yeah under 30 i think is yeah yeah i think it's under 30 and once you get past that point is when you get in the realm of just finding really whatever you want to look for yeah if you're i think for a good majority of when all these peaks happened they were running the pcr test at 35 to 38 i think was the top I think I, I thought it was forty five at one point. No, oh, I didn't think it was that high. I thought it was in like the mid, uh, the mid thirties, mid upper thirties yeah. was the highest I remember it being. But yeah, yeah, they would just say, "Oh, well, we need to run the PCR test at this many cycles now. This is what we think is going to get us the most accurate result." Yep, and that, that's exactly how they would phrase it. Yep, this new this new variant is harder to detect. We need to run it at this many cycle counts to, to see if it's there. Yeah. So when they've gone up and gone down, then has that has that directly translated to rise and fall in the number of cases? From what I've noticed, yes. Yeah, and I think I think I, I mean I haven't you know sat down with a graph and marked it all out and measured it, but from my general understanding it's been a pretty direct correlation yeah that that's my understanding as well but again i mean if you're looking for exact data on that that's the best thing i could tell you Aaron, is is to to kind of search no agenda's assets because they, they have been reporting on that 
I mean, they, they, they were, I don't know if they were the first, but they were one of the first that basically, because, because what happened was the mainstream media or FDA, CDC, Dr. Burks, you know, all, all of those clowns began saying that, oh, a PCR test is what you have to have. If I'm not mistaken, that's still the one you have it's to have. To, the gold standard. It's the gold standard, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the, that was the, the gold meme. Standard. Yeah, and you can find compilations of them referring to it as the gold standard, uh, you know, on YouTube and stuff. But the PCR test, they, 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 that was the one that they gave all the precedence to. And again, like I said, like I was saying a second ago, if I'm not mistaken, that's still the one you need to fly. For these people that are like, oh, you know, you have to have a test to X, Y, Z, or or for these handful of companies that are like, oh no, we're still you know hardcore on the jab or testing. If I'm not mistaken, it's a PCR test that you have to get. Um, again, because it's this somehow supposed gold standard, when actually it's it's tremendously faulty, and the inventor of the damn thing said, uh. No, this is not what it's for, and it's not to test people for disease. So, any other questions? It's (laughs) awfully ironic that Harry Mullis died not too long before COVID started and the PCR test became the way they detect COVID. Just like, what's I can't remember the guy's name. There was some major HIV researcher. Oh, but there were a bunch that went down with the that. Well, the, there's been a whole bunch mattered throughout recent time, but there was like one big major guy who um, recently died right around the time all this news about the jab being linked to vaccine AIDS. <laughs> yeah, the old vax AIDS. Um. <laughs> But no, you know that though, Chris, right? About the Malaysian, what was it? Malaysian Airlines 37, I think. Um, yeah, the one that just went missing, apparently. And yeah, it just disappeared. A whole bunch of people on their way to a AIDS conference. They were all a bunch of top AIDS researchers. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, there were even there were mainstream media articles when that happened. They were like, "Did the cure for AIDS go down with this plane?" Talking about you know because of the people that were on board. Um. And so it's 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 interesting to think, you know, as a thought experiment. Well, if if somebody somewhere, Ukraine probably, if <laughs> but if somebody somewhere had figured out how to weaponize AIDS, uh, maybe so it is isn't as powerful, or it's more virulent, or um, you know, spreads easier, or maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe they figured out some way where where you don't have to have it spread via sex. Or, or oh, wait, dirty needles. Wait, let me guess. Can I guess before you get to the conclusion? <laughs> sure. There's anybody who has mastered AIDS <laughs> in gain-of-function research. Right. My first bet would be uh, Mr. Tony Fauci. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, it's like why should we trust you at all? <laughs> and the whole thing's probably AIDS anyways. So... Out of everything that's come out in recent months relating to AIDS and, you know, even with this Russia-Ukraine thing, with these bio labs yeah. that are allegedly, that are 
allegedly researching biological weapons and gain-of-function type research in Ukraine that, according to our government, simultaneously do not exist right, and are so secure no one could get anything out of them. It's laughable, isn't it? Yeah, like, there's statements from government officials about denying the existence of biolabs and then the next breath talking about how secure the biolabs were. Yeah. Like, yeah. They can't be both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At this point, at this point, most, you know, the global government, at this point, the global government, it's like when your kid gets into the cookie jar and he has the damn thing in his hands and you're like, who, who did this? And he's like, I don't know. It wasn't me. <laughs> it's like, like that's, that's the point that we're at now where we're like, well, hold on. Who weaponized AIDS? What's up with this virus? Why did you push a vaccine on everybody? And and all the global governments are standing there with their hands in the literal cookie jar in Ukraine. And they're like, oh, uh, gosh, we don't know. <laughs> Speaking of hands in the cookie jar in Ukraine. Yeah, Hunter Biden's laptop. Thing. No. <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite thing that's come to light in recent days. That it's all, all real. Memes about the White House denying that yep. the, lab, the laptop was real. <laughs> And it was all Russian disinformation. And then the New York Times coming out and being like, yeah, no, this is this is a real thing. This is authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's (laughs) people don't understand me because I'm not, you know, oh, my God, the poor people of Ukraine. And I'm like, dude, look at who's telling you to hate Putin. (laughs) Like, they're all a-holes. They they're all liars. It's all this same group of people. Uh, oh, I'm right. I'm right there with you. Putin yeah, I'm like not a great guy. I'll be the I'll be the first one to say it. Putin probably not the greatest guy. Right. <laughs> but everything we're being told about Ukraine doesn't make sense. No, especially if you go back just a couple years ago to what the media was saying about Ukraine when they were like, "Oh, look, the Azov Battalion. These Nazis. This is bad." Uh. The government's so corrupt. Funny enough, on the world ranking of corrupt government, Ukraine ranks lower than Russia, surprisingly. Not what the media would lead you to believe. Right. But the Ukrainian government is notably more corrupt than the Russian government, and we're being told they're the bad guys. Yep. It doesn't add up. Not at all. Not at all. I have I have been accused of one might say carrying water for poop. <laughs> yeah. When I point out the inconsistencies with what the media is now telling us compared to what they've said in the past three, four, five years. Or I guess longer than that. Going back to at least twenty fourteen. Yeah, when they put Zelensky in Ukraine. Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense, man. Which is why I keep telling people because people are like, well, what do you think about Ukraine? What do you think about Ukraine? And I'm like, dude, it's all obviously a lie. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it just maybe it has to do with COVID. Maybe it has to do with, I mean, who, who knows? Who knows? Um, it's just like 9 11, you know, because I used to, I used to get into it, you know, about 9 11 with people. 
And I point out all the inconsistencies and just, you know, all the crazy shit we're asked to believe. And they're like, well, what do you, what do you think happened? And then when you don't have an answer or you don't have something specific to say, well, this person did it and here's why, um, you know, then they're like, well, they just, just, then why isn't the story that I'm told true? But it's like, but right now I'm going through the same thing only in real time with Ukraine. I'm like, dude, I can tell you by looking at this that it's all bullshit. I can tell you that, that it, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, what's really going on and who is really the good guy and the bad guy and so on? I, I, I don't have a clue. I, I don't have a single clue. All I know is that every, every, every family in America should have at least two chickens and, <laughs> um, well, we have five. So exactly. Prepare for the worst. They're old though. So they maybe do the laying of two chickens. Yeah. No, yeah, I can't tell you who's right or who's wrong when it comes to this Russia-Ukraine thing, but I can tell you the whole thing stinks. It's like it's like the Cold War on steroids because of how far information and technology has come since the heat of the Cold War. Yeah, it's a good analogy. And... It just, you don't know if what the Russians are saying is true. Because some of it, I could see how some of their claims could make sense. Sure. Like the biolab thing. But you also don't know if anything the U.S. is saying is true or any other, you know, Germany or <laughs> any other EU nation. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, oh, well, if we're going to pull their track records, well, none of, you know, <laughs> like, they, well, none of them are good. The problem is, is it, it reminds me of McCarthyism and the Red Scare. Anything Russian. Yeah. Even if it makes literally no logical sense. Mm -hmm. We got to cancel. The, what, the International Cat Federation. <laughs> banning the Russian cat from competing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Putin is real affected by that one. Yeah, exactly. I saw a, I saw a display from some fucking mustard museum in Wisconsin. <laughs> Throwing saying, out. Oh, the Russian. We're not displaying the Russian mustard. The Russian mustard. The conflict yeah. Conflict in Ukraine is over. Oh, I'm sure Putin is crushed by that. <laughs> yeah. It's all just it's all just a giant virtue stick. Well, that, that's my thing because I'm like, well, how could you possibly think this is real? Hot on the heels of, and and I don't know, I I, I didn't share it with the main chat. Um, I think I shared it with you, Chris. I shared it with a couple other close friends. You know, I logged into Gmail the other day, just getting my emails done, and and up at the top, there's like this little banner that pops down, and it's like donate to the effort in Ukraine, and I'm like, this is this is so picture perfect this is such a carbon copy of what i've been saying for two years about the flu han it's like this is a made-up virus like, you know the old like the media is the virus like they're telling you you're sick they're telling you to support ukraine and and it equally doesn't make any sense why would i support ukraine there's a lot of russian americans for one you know and and the idea like these these big corporations and governments think that they can just sway all of 
you know, public perception as a whole, well, because we decided to cancel them. Look, even even McDonald's, your favorite cheeseburger place, they're not going there. And it's like, what is this? <laughs> like, I really do believe it's like silent weapons for quiet wars. Like, this is what war is now. It's not. It's, OK, OK. <laughs> McDonald's is not my favorite cheeseburger place. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> Um. Now, now, what is what is uh? Was it Wendy's that you have your uh, your stock in? What is their influence on yep. Ukraine? What, <laughs> oh, how do they feel about know. the conflict in Ukraine? I don't think they've said anything. Price smart. I mean, you better pull the smart move. You better sell your shares, my friend. That's not gonna that's not gonna go good when Rachel Maddow and the clowns over at over at Jewin in <laughs> they're gonna find out they they don't. I did. I no longer have a stake in Wendy's right now. So. <laughs> uh, I'm so proud of you. Now, now delete whatever trading app you were using. Delete it all, man. Before they do, before they do, because they're going to, they're going to delete it. Do delete it all. They have to. So, yeah, buy bullets and uh, plant a garden. <laughs> I I do have to say. There has never been a time in my life where I have considered just going to the bank and getting money out just to stash away just in case until now. I'm like, maybe every time I go out, I'm like, maybe I should just stop by the bank and get like 50, 100 bucks out of my account and just stick it in a book somewhere and just forget about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my whole thing well, is... Hey. Go ahead. If they freeze your account, well, okay, I guess there's two ways to think about it. If they freeze your account, you still would have access to whatever cash you have. But if the whole system collapses and the cash doesn't do you any good anyway. That's my whole point. It's true. And unfortunately, I think that's more the way it's headed. Oh, yeah. They want outlaw cash, man. Like the the, the go, just that the whole, the U.S. dollar is going to collapse. Yeah, got, well, that's I, I think what, they're going to do that to everybody so that they can do the di- the whole digital thing. Because yeah, they say the U.S. dollar was primarily backed by oil. Yeah, and that was the standard for oil. But now with everything going on, you've got Russia and India making deals for oil using was it ruples and rupees. Uh, and and the rupees that and, they is their currency. And Saudi Arabia is going to start working with the Chinese yuan, which, yep. as Arabia we know, is already China digital. They're starting to use alternate currencies. <laughs> if if the U.S. dollar stops being unanimously backed by oil, that's not great for the American economy. Yeah, and and like I said, I I think that's the goal. I think we have to do that. I think the system well, demands that we do that. Well, if to really br- circle back to the very start with Gordon White, you brought this up. You brought up Gordon White. He's a lot more into the astrological outlook of things and that view of the world. Yeah. And he is of the opinion that the story of the 2020s uh, is the downfall of the West. That 
no matter what way you slice it, by the end, by the 2030s, whether that coincides with Agenda 2030 or whatever, uh, the West will have declined. Yes. Yeah. And I, I and he also is of the mindset that this conflict conflict in Ukraine uh, isn't going away, and around the mid of midpoint of the decade is when it's going to really be rough. Yeah. Do you listen? So, uh, are you a pay, are you a paid member of his uh, his outfit? I'm not. I'm not. It's if I become a paid member of another show. That will be the show it's going to be. <laughs> how many? How many? You want? You want to compare? How many do you have? Who do you got? What do you got right now? Oh, you... I I only pay for THC. I oh, only pay okay. for one show currently. Nice. Well, me and but me... if I were to start paying for another, it would be room two. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know, man. Doctor Farrell. He structures his show is you don't get any more content in the actual show. It's more other kinds of resources that you get as a member yeah it's fair yeah like i think he does like master classes yeah he does those types of things on specific topics each quarter yeah and you get access to that as a member yeah i gotta say man the 13 bucks i hand uh dr farrell per month is well worth it well worth it you know that's i have not gotten real into dr farrell I've I've listened to him on other shows, but I've not really delved into his solo content. Yeah. Well, his he does. Um, it's a quarterly thing, um, that he does with with Catherine Austin Fitz, uh, who I'm sure you've seen on other shows. I I don't I don't think she's been on THC, but she's been all over the place. But uh, it, like his wrap up that he does with her, I mean, they do. They'll do a two-parter for, you know, at the end of the quarter. And it'll be, each one will be like four hours each. I mean, it's just, it's like so much. And they cover all these different topics. And what I really like about him is, is he really entertains, um, I mean, you know, the esoteric, like we're, we're talking about a guy who wrote a book called The Cosmic War, for example. But that being said... He comes from a, a Christian perspective. It's Orthodox, um, but it's it's a it's a background that I can appreciate. And speaking of him and Rune Soup, have you ever listened to his episode with on Rune Soup? I don't think I have. I didn't know he did an episode of Rune Soup. It was well, I think he's done it a couple times. Um, but I just searched the Rune Soup feed on one of my podcast apps the other day. Because I was curious, because I was like, well, I think he's done, um, I think Farrell's done it. So I searched for Farrell, and he did one in 2019. And it's funny, it goes back to like what we were talking about with EMF, but much more into harmonics and sound. Because Dr. Farrell is actually a, uh, um, a composer as well. And his theories and way that he looks at, you know, sound and the manipulation of sound going back to like we were talking about Chris, you know, going back to in the beginning was the word and you know, the Christian narrative is that God spoke everything into existence. It's very interesting stuff from his point of view. Um and and I think it ties in to to bring one more random rabbit trail in. 
uh, that interview that, that Adam Curry did with Glenn Beck, where he was talking about words being spells and how they work. Somehow, those three ideas, uh, words being spells, EMF probably, and harmonics and music and, and the resonation of sound, I think all three of those tie in somehow. So, I haven't listened to the to the Glenn Beck uh, and Adam interview yet. Oh, dude, go listen! It's but so I've good. Heard other people? I can't remember who it was. I've listened to other people talk about the concept of language being spells, and that one hundred percent makes sense to me, at least. Yeah. Well, and and the thing that I always think of, which is why I like Dr. Farrell and where he comes from, the thing that I always think of and can't get my head around is what are we missing in Christianity along those lines um, that seems to have kind of neutered us? Because I know, you know, we can talk about tradition and, you know, like, let's say, okay, well, the way the church as a whole is kind of let certain things go over time, women pastors, you know, homosexuality, different things like that. But, but what are we really missing maybe in our, our, um, I don't know, even the way that we worship maybe and in terms of music and stuff, what are we really missing that, that, I don't know, seems to have, have neutered us in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I just think it's possible that it has something to do with, uh, let Aaron speak again, uh, sound and harmonics and that sort of thing. You're, you're on Aaron. You, you can talk now. We're missing a pipe organ. <laughs> Maybe. Well, well, what I was going to say kind of plays off of that idea of you're missing a pipe organ. And this is another random rabbit trail. But when you look into, you know, I've kind of gone down the Tartaria and Tartarian rabbit trail and that alternate view of history. Yeah. Of, and a, the interesting thing about a lot of these buildings that are allegedly Tartarian built and Tartarian design is that these sound frequencies resonate. The buildings are built in a way that amplifies the sound frequencies in them and a lot of the buildings that are allegedly these tartarian buildings are churches so if you go back to the idea of the pipe organ not being a part of worship and expanded out to maybe the buildings aren't built in a way that harmonically resonates the energy and the worship inside the building that could be a part of it yes yeah yeah, I've looked into some of that stuff. It's very, it's very compelling. Um, because a lot of old, or I, I think all, Dr. Farrell has talked about this some too. Um, I think after a certain point, as you go back in history, after a certain point, every religious building, Christian, you know, Jewish, Islamic, and otherwise particularly the Abrahamic religions, I think they were all sort of built with, with certain geometry and in certain locations um, that seemed to correspond with different ley lines on the earth and 
things that have to do with those harmonic frequencies. And, and like you said, you know, because Christians like to, you know, I think it makes their skin crawl a little bit when they hear this kind of thing. And they're like, ah, it's woo woo. You know, and it's like, well, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we worship planet earth or anything like that. I'm not denying the, the deity of Jesus Christ, but what does the scripture say? The scripture say the, the scripture says the entire universe was spoken into existence. So, so yeah, I, I, I do think that has something to do. I mean, and even if you look at, I've seen people sort of make this uh, um, parallel when talking about this kind of thing. It's like, well, if you look in the Bible about the, the, um, you know, like the, the, you take the word like song all the way through. I mean, there, there, there is thing after thing is compared to a song and, and a sweet song and, and our offerings are a song. Like th- there's all of this sort of verbiage that ties in with this idea of language and harmonics and music and, and just the whole idea. But it's the same thing when you try and point out that, that there's stuff in the Bible about uh, different things that were going on in the sky that, ha- that, that corresponded to. Um, and this isn't, by the way, for anybody listening, you know, this isn't, this isn't an argument for that whole like Christian astrology thing. I, I, I don't think we should look to the stars to predict things or, or anything of that nature, but there's a lot in the Bible, uh, about things happening in the sky that correspond with things down here. So I don't think it can necessarily be ignored. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, I've been debating, I know you and I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He was recently on Marty Leave. Was that his name? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was on THC. And I've debated on buying his book just because I don't necessarily agree with the points he was making, but I find them intriguing enough that there might be something there. Yeah. Like worth at least looking into. Yeah. Yeah. He he talked about a lot about the frequency and that kind of stuff too. Yeah, he did now. About how if you, if you look at stuff in a biblical context, there are over astrological overlays. And I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, the lack that of the lack of astrology that modern Christianity applies to anything. It's kind of thought of as being bad, but the elites seem to give it some credence. And if it has some correlation with biblical context, that's that's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the most important thing, like I mentioned earlier, is is that because it's not it's not um I don't think it's something that can be used to predict the future. And I I definitely don't think we should deify uh any of that stuff. Uh, like, you know, a hundred percent. And again, you know, I d I didn't hear him necessarily do that, but because I, I I mean I still get the heebie jeebies with that kind of thing because I'm like mm, I don't you know like the the answers are in the Bible and come from God you, you know but but see that it's you kind of put your foot in your mouth as a Christian because it's like well but God did create the universe <laughs> like didn't he like that's that's you know 
what we believe. So it's foolish to think that he put all that stuff up there, uh, you know, for no reason at all, but just to, just to float on by, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, if everything was created according to his plan and what he had, you know, orchestrated for everything, it was put together that way for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the number one. That's the number one sort of thing that I do when I when I argue flat Earth uh, with people for fun because I'm like, well. Cause, cause their whole thing, you know, the, the Globers are like, well, why would they hide it? And I'm like, well, if it does tie into the nature of God in some way, which in theory it does because he made where we live, you know, whether, whether it's flat or, or a globe or a pyramid for Pete's sake, like if we believe that he made it, well, then of course it must correspond to his nature and our purpose. It just, it, it of course it does. But it's probably flat. Who knows? Anyways, it would appear that there is biblical connotation for it to be flat. Well, I mean, yeah. The, if you take the cosmology in the Bible at face value, yeah, there's no way you there's no way you come to around around a heliocentric model. It just doesn't work. Yeah. But more interesting than that, I think, is the stuff about heaven and hell and and the different sections of heaven. And because because that's I was thinking about that actually the other day. As I was looking up at the stars and I was like, man, it's just it's beautiful, you know, and and I was thinking, you know, well, why would they lie about that? Because I think they are, you know, not necessarily in the context of flat versus round, but they're definitely lying to us. And I was like, well, why, you know, what's, what's, what's the purpose? And I'm like, well, because it, it distorts, I mean, e- even just on a religious level alone, the understanding, which came from the Bible, uh, that the heavens are above, that, that God is in, God the Father is in the heavens, which are above, um, even that takes away so much of our, our understanding of where we are. Like the whole space narrative has done nothing more than blow that whole idea apart. You know, it's like, well, God's not sitting in the heavens. We are. And it's an ever expanding vacuum of, you know, bullshit that we (laughs) show you pictures of. And it's like, it's like, but the Bible's very specific about some of those things, you know, and and how heaven works. And, and then, and it, it, and if it's not, well, then what was the tower of Babel and what was Jacob's ladder? And what are the windows to heaven? And all just all of these things throughout Scripture that speak of a very different cosmology than than NASA does. <laughs> yeah, what NASA tells us doesn't doesn't exactly make sense. Uh, it's bullcrap, isn't it? <laughs> it's all it's all ever expanding at astronomical speeds, yet magically all stays in exact synchronization with each other. Yeah, and then it's hurtling yeah. through the event. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's why I think they have to come up with, you know, cause the whole big bang theory, right. You know, oh, boom. And it's been expanding ever since, you know, it's just a cover for that whole idea because it's like, they have to put it billions and billions of years in the past 
or else that would that would be without a doubt the number one most obvious question it's like well why why isn't it still moving then if that's how it happened and it's not all just sitting and it does continue to ever ever expand well then why why don't we see that it's not observable thousands of years of 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 human history where we've looked up at the stars and they've always been the same always 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 like no the universe is not expanding i'm sorry it's just it's just not or that that wouldn't be the case i wouldn't be able to pick up a star chart from 500 years ago or 5000 years ago and it'd be accurate and yet i can so no it was put well, there for a purpose <laughs> to be to be fair my understanding of the movement of the stars over the years is they have shifted position in the sky like or Orion does not pass through the same spot in the sky as it did 500 years ago, but it all stays relative to each other is what, where it breaks down for me. Right, right. Like if everything, if everything was expanding at the rate they say it is, if it was all expanding at the same rate, which doesn't why would it all expand at the same rate if it all has different density and masses and all these other things and are supposedly made up of different things, you know, some are rocks, some are gas, right? Logically, it would not expand at the same rate, but if it did expand at the same rate, why is it moving in the sky over time while still staying (laughs) relative to each other? Right. Like Orion's belt is still Orion's belt. Yeah. It may not be in the same place in the sky it was 500 years ago, but in relation to each other, the stars still make up Orion's belt. Yeah. The constellation of Orion. Arguably for the at least the last 12,000 years or so. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, throughout human history. Yeah. And it, yeah. I don't know, man. Like I think, of, I of, think, I think Gebekli Tepe is one of the farthest, the most ancient archaeological sites, and it, in and of itself, is kind of an anomaly. But from what they can decipher, it was a star temple from at least twelve thousand years ago. Yeah, that tracked the movement of Orion through the sky. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is the only thing that makes sense this structure was built to do. Yeah. Well, so look, at least 12,000 years ago, Orion was Orion. Well, look at look at things like Stonehenge, man. And the and the Great Pyramids, for Pete's sake. I mean, it's it, it and all of this stuff is lined up to the stars. And yet our answer for it is, well, you know, they built it with slaves. We can't tell you how, because it's, it's a technical possibility. But that's how they did it. Like we can't tell you why or how, but this is what it was. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Which is why I maintain that we should keep our eyes on uh these uh the the players that are sort of narrating and and putting out our or or establishing sort of our cosmology, which is right now 
<laughs> NASA and Jeff Bezos. So it's like, okay, well, I don't trust those two. <laughs> uh, well, it, I think you and I have talked privately about this. If you want to look at it from a biblical cosmology standpoint, the only interpretation I can make of what's going on right now is Jeff Bezos and NASA and whoever are trying to launch these rockets through the firmament, mm -hmm. through the waters above, into the chambers of heaven to take war to God. Yeah. To wage war on God. Yep. I mean, our big, our big push right now is we've got to get to Mars. What is Mars? In the mythological context, Mars is the god of war. Yeah. And that's got to be the first place we get to. You know, let's not put a colony on the moon <laughs> that is significantly closer. Yeah. And in, in theory, far you know, easier. If, if the worst were to happen, we could get there much quicker than we could get to Mars. Allegedly. So we got to go to Mars first. Like, logically, why Mars is the first stop doesn't make sense to me. I would set up a colony on the moon first if I decided I wanted to colonize space. Yeah. Because then if the people on the colony needed help, we could get to them quickly. And isn't that funny, too, the way that, you know, because every couple of months there's some weird headline about Mars where they're like, oh, this rover found this little trinket. And, you know, it's like, it's like they put these little breadcrumbs out there to like, oh, Mars, Mars, bro, Mars. And it's like, but how has that, like, has that just totally faded in terms of the way that people look at the moon? Because, I mean, I don't know if you're, if you're, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not one of these fucking nerd losers, but, but, but if you were, I mean, I'm not, but if you were. Wouldn't you be just as fascinated if they told you, oh, you know, oh, we found a poo bear on the moon or, or just whatever stupid little thing that they're like, oh, they found this we found that, you know, but we never hear that about the moon. Like the, uh, cause that's an interesting point. Like you said, it's all, let's colonize Mars. And it's like, what the hell happened in the moon? Like we went and supposedly, allegedly we, we've been and what now it's like tapped out. We can't use it for. Anything, communications, technology. Uh, uh, well, see, I've seen stuff within the last year and a half about apparently Nokia was contracted to put a Wi-Fi network on the moon <laughs> or some sort of communications network on the moon. I was going uh, to have tender, tender, tender on the moon. <laughs> I saw earlier today that they're working on some sort of shuttle launch to go, I guess, shoot out and around the moon hmm. and back to Earth in the hopes they can put people on the moon in 2030 or by 2030. I also saw in recent weeks clips of people from NASA from years ago talking about, oh, yeah, well, we just kind of lost the the technology we created oh, yeah. the moon we don't know how to do it anymore yeah no that's the official that's story man we haven't been back 
That's the official story. The official story is we lost the ability to do that, which is, it's like, okay, well, that's baloney. Like, like you, you, we lost the ability to do that with the massive budget NASA gets every year, but it, Elon Musk is getting ready to send people to Mars. Like, well, and not only that, but you know, <laughs> wait, I have, I have more technology in the hand in my hand right now than you claim it took to go to the moon. So what, what do you mean? We lost the technology, like fucking find it again. Like it can't be like, just do the math again. It can't be that hard. Right. Like if you know, well, we see all these, we see all these pictures of what is it? That woman that wrote the code to, that let the shuttle go to the moon. Yeah. And we see her standing next to that giant, like six foot stack of paper. She allegedly handwritten code to do. <clears throat> right. What, what'd you do? Burn the book? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't there some supercomputer somewhere where we can just like feed the information to just point it to the moon and it'll tell us how to land there. Like, come on. Did, I thought this was the golden age. Your, did you let your project paperclip NASA scientists get a little overzealous and have a bonfire one weekend? Yeah, no kidding. Or maybe it's because the Nazis already made it there, and that's what we found when we landed. Oh, shit. You know, maybe it has been the Nazis all along. I, re- I really think it has, Chris. <laughs> you know, we keep circling that we've, topic. We've discussed this. Yeah. It's... I think it has been... The World War II Nazis, as we've been sold them all along. All along, Except yeah. Rebranded. Just rebranded, that's right. Dude, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you read Dr. Farrell's book, Nazi International, you will be utterly convinced of that. <laughs> Believe me, because he really goes into, you know, where the players and where the money went after World War II, as far as the Nazis are concerned. And it's like, Oh boy, this, this, this does not look good. <laughs> now, I cannot vouch for the validity of this claim that I saw. I have seen a claim in recent weeks that a lot of the Project Paperclip Nazi scientists <laughs> never actually made the trip across the pond. Mm. And continued their studies in uh, the part of the world that is modern day Ukraine. <laughs> Funny enough. Yeah. I don't know how much I buy into that claim, but I have seen it floating around. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Because, like you said, something stinks about Ukraine, something stinks real bad. I mean, even just like what me and Matt talked about on the last episode where we were talking about that whole, oh, you're not going to get the billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor. It's like, okay, so this this is clearly, this is clearly the West's like crooked cookie jar (laughs) and they all have their hand in it. And so when they want to come out all out and say, oh yeah, Putin bad, donate to the Ukrainians. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't, I don't feel like that's what's going on here. If it needs to be put in a in a layman's context for anybody, basically the Ukraine is uh, if you're familiar with the Netflix show uh, Ozark, mm. Ukraine is the Ozark for the U.S. on a global <laughs> political scale. Yeah. yeah, that's where they're laundering all their money and doing their dirty business. Yeah, a whole bunch of it sounds like. But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Well, prayers up for Putin's holy army. 
Um, <laughs> people get so triggered, man. It's so <laughs> like I'll tell people I tell people that all the time. I'm like, yeah, based Putin is going to liberate the West. <laughs> just just to screw with people, just to troll, and and they get so triggered. They get so triggered, and I'm like. The only reason you're triggered is because the media told you who the good guy was. That's the only reason. Like you, 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 none of these people are like, oh, I know somebody in Ukraine, or I know for a fact that it's this way or that way. It's like, no, it, because every video game you've ever played in your life has made the Russians out to be the bad guy. And now you just bought it because it's the easy thing to do. It's laughable. Yep. No. Yeah. Well, but damn, that's an hour. So 54. I think everyone is kind of uh, kind of left, except for your mom. Hi, Vicky. <laughs> I guess she's just lurking. But I think I'm going to hop off here I'm for here, the evening. Sorry. <laughs> I, I've been listening to everything. I just I was texting, couldn't get back to the button. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> well uh yeah i i think that about does it that's close to two hours so um yeah thanks for listening everybody gtst episode 314 open line friday bye everybody please clap whatever you say liberal okay okay liberal yeah, live whatever you say liberal okay okay liberal yeah live whatever you say liberal Okay, okay, liberal. Reading between the lines. This has been a production of Tripod Broadcasting.